interestingly, one of the wholesalers that I was talking with said, well, what if we do this on this transaction here just to save the deal? And I'm like, that's it. That's the answer to wholesaling. And so together, when we started talking about it, we played devil's advocate over like a week. I brought in four different lawyers. I brought in two different real estate commissioners. I called every title insurance company lawyer that I knew in South Carolina. I talked to Guild Mortgage and said, what am I missing here? Is this, is this not the answer to the wholesaling? And they're like, this is brilliant. And then I brought in two of the largest wholesalers in the Southeast and I pitched this idea and I said, this is so simple, what do you think? And they both just dropped their head into their hands and they're like, I can't believe how this has been staring us all right in the face. This is the answer to wholesaling. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today I have Gary Pickering on the show, and this is a man who is a real estate attorney, master closer, has closed over 30,000 real estate transactions as a closer, a real estate broker, a real estate instructor, a real estate commissioner, and the list goes on and on and on. So if you're listening to this episode today, you have a treat in store for you. We're going to be talking about different ways that you can do real estate where maybe wholesaling might not be legal in your state, or maybe the way you're doing it's not legal. We're going to be talking a lot about that since Gary is an attorney. We're going to also be diving into a lot of other areas of real estate. So if you are on the investing side or if you're on the agent side, you're going to learn a tremendous amount from this episode. Gary, thank you so much for coming on the show. Take us into it right away. Like, what was your progression? Like, were you an attorney first? Were you an agent first? How did, how did this whole thing work? Well, Matt, thanks for having me. I think the uh, Freedom Chasers podcast is just spot on. I know we all in this industry have experienced the ups and downs in real estate, and everybody's looking for that financial freedom. And what you do in this market is a godsend. So first of all, thank you so much for that. I, I started about 27 years ago in real estate. I grew up wanting to be a real estate attorney, worked for real estate attorneys when I was in college and then in law school. And I really just enjoyed it. And then I started working for a lawyer who said, look, in order to get really far in this business, anybody can sit at a closing table and say, this is a deed or this is a mortgage. The way that you want to advance your career is to be the best at it. And how you can be the best at it is to understand what the real estate agent does better than anybody else in town. So I took our code, which is South Carolina code 40-57, and I basically loved that code, learned that code, made that code, lack of a term, better term, my bitch. I just understood it, learned it. And now because I understand it, I got to teach classes. I got to represent every big brokerage in town, whether it was a Colwell Banker or a Keller Williams or a C21. And by start representing the brokerage, I started representing real estate agents when they're before the commission. And after about 50 times of going over there and beating the real estate commission every single time and saving my real estate agents, they said, enough, come join us so that we can figure out what we need to stop at this area instead of having to deal with the agents on the back end. So it, it just became a love of mine and it's become a niche area that I've been able to just excel in. I just love working with the real estate agents and it's literally, it's made my, my career skyrocket. And from there, I developed the Dish and Dirt podcast and started doing bomb bomb video uh, month weekly service called Legal Tips, and it's just exploded, just absolutely exploded beyond what I ever thought. So let's go into it. So your first foray was into protecting agents from the commission, uh, yep. and now you're on the commission side. So like, what were some of the major mistakes that you were hired to help solve? Well, you'd have agents that would do dumb stuff like they'd let their license lapse and they would continue to practice law and you're ha or practice real estate. And you're having to go in and try to clean that mess up, knowing they're going to get punished. But you're trying to get the punishment basically to almost like a letter of reprimand or a, a public reprimand, something of that nature. We have some agents that would help 
their friend. And I've always said, when you help your friend, you're going to get in trouble most of the time. Family members and friends get you in trouble. And he was helping his friend, but not getting agency signed. And at the same time, providing advice and providing counsel and doing all the things that you're required to have a signed agency agreement to do. Some of it was things like that. A lot of it was just silly stuff. Uh, you'd have people that would complain that the real estate agent didn't put the key in the right rock in the right place when they left the house. Uh, but you get to see all kind of crazy stuff. I was 50 for 50 over there. Uh, handled some pretty, pretty easy cases to some really just stupid stuff that you, you can't even believe that people would file grievances over. People would file grievance on things that they don't even understand the law on, like disclosing multiple offers. Well, in, in South Carolina, that is considered confidential information, and you cannot disclose multiple offers unless you have a seller uh, written permission. And so we would go defend on things like that. But a lot of it was agency. Sometimes it was uh, not provide you know, mis misstatements, making promises for they couldn't keep. Like I promise you that this air conditioner system will work to your satisfaction. And then of course that person's satisfaction is not really reasonable, but you told them you would have it work to their satisfaction and we're going to deal with those issues, but a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. So was it hard for you to go work for the commission? Because I mean, like you were, it's like you're switching teams, right? Yes and no. Um, that was one of my concerns that real estate agents were like, now you're on the side that's, that's prosecuting us. I look at it completely different. Uh, when I joined the real estate commission, I wanted to make a difference for the real estate agent. I didn't want to go there in, in, with the idea of punishing the real estate agent. In South Carolina, the entire code is written to protect the public. Our, our state law has nothing to do with protecting the real estate agent. But I took a whole different approach. My approach was if we can help educate the real estate agent and help train them and then close up these loopholes and areas that aren't very well written on the law, then we can help the real estate agent so that they learn what to do and not to do so they don't even have to come before the grievance commission. And what we found out from our state head of South Carolina Realtors just a couple of weeks ago, he told us in an open session, he wanted to thank us because he said this was the most proactive pro-realtor board that he has seen in years. And it's not that we're pro-realtor or anti-realtor, it's that we believe in helping the realtor. Uh, we just spent about $4 million creating more programs, more classes that a real estate agent can take when they have questions. You know, how do I do agency? How do I handle my trust account? And then same classes when they get punished. Our idea, instead of punishing financially, is to punish with education because if you have a you're having trouble not getting your agency agreement signed, why not have a class on the importance of explaining agency, how to explain agency, and getting it properly signed? And so we spent a lot of effort doing that. So I, I kind of feel like my position now is to not defend the agent, but to help keep them from even having to come to where we are in a situation where we have to punish them. Yeah, and so once you made that jump, are you still able to represent agents or, or is that now a conflict of interest? Conflict of interest, unfortunately. And now I get agents all the time saying, help me, help me. And I just send them to my good friend, David, who's phenomenal in it. So I've got one or two guys that I've, that appear before us all the time at the commission that I just have the utmost respect for. Plus they usually give me a good bottle of whiskey uh, mm -hmm. for referrals every once in a while. But uh, yeah, I always refer them to somebody that actually knows the law because what you'll find out uh, very quickly before even being a commissioner is just because you're a real estate closing attorney or a real estate attorney doesn't mean you know the first thing about what a real estate agent does. Yeah. I mean, in fact, if you ask a lot of these guys who show up defending agents, they don't understand agency. They don't know the difference in customer service versus client service. They don't know how you become a customer to a client. Uh, they don't understand what the IDX feed is. And so when they're sitting there 
making arguments and you're like, that's not even remotely true. That's not even remotely close. And uh, because of that, I've, I've been hired five or six times now to be expert in cases. And when you read the affidavit of these experts that have no clue what you do as a living, for a living, they don't know the difference between customer and client. And they constantly ask questions about customer. And you're like, no, he's a client. And they're like, what are you talking about? And you have to explain to the attorney in the deposition that your question's stupid. And so, yeah, it's a big, big difference. So one of the areas that you really uncovered is real estate investing through wholesaling, et cetera. And you, you found that this practice, most people are not doing it legally. You said right. people in South Carolina particularly can legally wholesale, but it's not really possible. Right. So kind of break down like, like what, what is the law in South Carolina? How is that maybe similar to other states or not similar? Sure. So wholesaling for people who don't understand what it is, it's when A and B go under contract and B has no intentions of closing the property. What B does upon going under contract is immediately start trying to sell that contract to C so that ultimately the transaction is from A to C. And most of the people who do wholesaling do it incorrectly already because what they will do is get a second contract from B to C. So now you have a contract from A to B and one from B to C, but B is never intending to close and take possession or title to property and then convey it out. The reason they're not doing it is they don't have the cash to close it. And so you have these two competing contracts that don't really work. So then we'll start seeing an assignment. They start going, well, I need to assign contract A to B from A to C. And then they'll start putting new terms in there, different amounts, different down payments, different closing dates. And so it gets it all convoluted. And so most people don't even understand that whole concept of wholesaling in the first place. But what I can tell you is being on a real estate commission is that there is a group of real estate commissions throughout the country. It's called Arillo, A-R-E-L-L-O. And we meet twice a year and go over problems that are facing real, facing real estate commissioners and regulators. When you go before this commission and you say, what is the number one issue that you commissions in Indiana or Ohio or Vermont or even Canada? What's the biggest issue you're, you're facing right now? You get two answers. One is broker supervision. Nobody knows what it means, how it applies, what you do with it. And the statutes are terrible around the country on it. The second one is wholesaling. And so what we find out across the country is that most, most of these commissions dislike wholesaling. They believe it is the practice of real estate. So they do a, a real estate license. So what they do is they try to issue cease and desist orders to every wholesaler saying that if you are not a licensed real estate agent, you taking property and putting it under contract from A to B and then marketing it from B to C is an act of being a real estate agent. And unless you have a real estate agent license, you can't do that. And so in South Carolina, for example, we have given multiple cease and desist orders to uh, people who are trying to do this. And so what these agents started doing or these uh, wholesalers started doing then is they're like, well, I'll either go hire a real estate agent or I'll just become a real estate agent myself. Well, our pass rate in South Carolina is like 20%. So you got a one in five chance of even passing to become a real estate agent. But assuming you do, now you have a bigger problem because you're under contract to sell the property from A to B and now you want to flip it to C. So if you're doing it for yourself, you kind of have this fiduciary duty issue. I'm going to a seller and saying, sell me the property for a hundred grand. And then the second you sign it to me, I put it on the market for 150. How do you show that your fiduciary duty, your good faith dealing, your honesty is with the seller? Because you should have said your property's worth 150. Let's put it on the market. So that's the first problem. Second problem is, is that they go hire a real estate agent, but a real estate agent in most states cannot market and advertise property for sale 
unless they get a listing agreement signed by the listing agent. Well, how do you do that? They're already under contract to sell the property. So how are you going to a seller and say, give me a listing agreement? Listing agreement on what? I'm already under contract. So basically we issue cease and desist orders on those two matters. And if they disobey the cease and desist order in South Carolina, they're back before the administrative law judge who can hold you in contempt of court, put you in jail, fine you tens of thousands of dollars. So yeah, wholesaling is not illegal in South Carolina. I just don't know how you do it. Yeah. And so there, but there are other ways, right? Um, and this is kind of where yeah. you as an attorney have been able to think outside the box. Yeah. So the, how this story comes about is sitting on the real estate commission, as you and I've talked about earlier, you get to see a lot of what's going on behind the scenes. And when you go to a real low and you sit at the conference meetings and you see the people coming before the commission, you quickly realize that whether people want to accept it or not, wholesaling across the country is under attack. Whether they want to accept it or not, people are getting cease and desist orders. And so the idea that we can just keep wholesaling like we've been doing for years, it, that's gone. That's just, that's just nonsense. We can stick our head in the sand and deny it all we want to, but it's not going to change the fact. And when we go on these um, Facebook groups and you look at some of the comments, people are like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just a naysayer. No, I, here's the facts. Here's seven cease and desist orders we've issued in the last six months. Uh, this is a fact. So I sat down with four investor friends of mine who use, uh, use us for all their wholesaling deals. And they're like, what are we going to do now? Can we still wholesale? So we sit down for about an hour and we walk our way through the entire process of what flips look like in the 90s, then how wholesaling came about, how the regulators have gone after wholesaling. We then talked about novations and how novations don't change any of the issues of marketing and advertising property you don't own. And you walk through it and you're like, at the end of the day, we have nothing. And what about innovation if you explicitly or in a, in a wholesale agreement, if you explicitly place that you can market? I mean, it's still an issue because of the not having a license. Is that? Well, that you're right. You can't have somebody agree to allow you to break the law. And yeah. so for me, getting the seller to say it's okay for you to break the law doesn't change the law. And so what other wholesalers and uh, people will do is they'll go get a power of attorney from the seller to the, the wholesaler. But think of this for a second. You own the property. You and I are under contract. You give me a power of attorney. I am, you're the principal. I'm the agent. What does a power of attorney have to do in the best interest of the principal? How is that in your best interest for me to take your property for 100 and then sell it for 150 for my benefit? That's 100% called self-dealing. That is a guaranteed lawsuit by any consumer protection lawyer. There's no overcoming that. So they, they've come up with a bunch of theories. The theory we hear the most before our commission is, oh, I have an equitable ownership interest because I have a contract, so I can market the property. You do not have an equitable ownership interest in the property, period, as a contract. If you did, then every time a contract fell through, you would have to terminate the contract by a quit claim deed or a judicial action. We don't do that. So that right there proves you don't have it. And there's not a court that's ever recognized it in this country that I know of. So when you look at all of the workarounds, you look at all of the, you know, neat ideas, it all comes back to it doesn't work. So interestingly, one of the wholesalers that I was talking with said, well, what if we do this on this transaction here just to save the deal? And I'm like, that's it. That's the answer to wholesaling. And so together, when we started talking about it, we played devil's advocate over like a week. I brought in four different lawyers. I brought in two different real estate commissioners. I called every title insurance company lawyer that I knew in South Carolina, I talked to Guild Mortgage and said, what am I missing here? Is this, is this not the answer to the wholesaling? And they're like, this is brilliant. 
And then I brought in two of the largest wholesalers in the Southeast. And I pitched this idea and I said, this is so simple. What do you think? And they both just dropped their heads into their hands and they're like, I can't believe how this has been staring us all right in the face. This is the answer to wholesaling. And this is all, this is the way we can do it. And so I believe what we have come up with is called the installment method is a way that you can do essentially wholesale type transactions without being a wholesaler, doing it the legal way. Um, one of the things that Matt, you and I talked about is it utterly amazes me how many people will go on social media and see something and go, oh, well, this is the answers to my financial freedom. And they have no idea what this person's background is. I can trust your background. I know your background. You were a math teacher beforehand. You worked with kids and then you got into real estate. You, you did B2B sales and then you started doing real estate and then you developed a team. I can trust what you say when it comes to real estate. But we have people out there who are selling wholesale who don't have the first clue what they're talking about. So our program is designed by lawyers, real estate brokers, real estate investors, and a real estate regulator. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. They've I think the real estate regular is because it's probably the coolest part of that whole deal, right? Because, yeah, keep going. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it is. I mean, it's like, you know, while I don't speak on behalf of the South Carolina Real Estate Commission in this, and this is not an endorsement by them, having somebody who's actually looked at the laws and been at the Arilla meetings and listened to other commissioners and can pick up the phone and call other states. And every state that we are getting approved by and we're looking at, we're literally calling title insurance companies and calling lawyers in those states and asking them the legal aspect of it. So when I can tell you that in Tennessee, you can do this, or you can do this in Georgia, or you can do this in North Carolina, we've already talked to the people in those states to see legally, can they, versus somebody who looks like they run out, ran out of Sons of Anarchy TV show telling us, yeah, wholesaling is perfectly fine and legal when it's not. So let's dive into this a little bit. So basically, t tell me, what is the installment method? So the installment method, essentially, without giving too much away, because we do want you to buy our program, is a system that has been around for many years. I've been doing closings for 27, 28 years. And this is a document, uh, a vehicle that we've been using for investing going way back into the 90s. Typically, we would use the installment method when you were a buyer that had bad credit or you were a buyer that could not prove income. You had just started a new job. Uh, you were self-employed. And so we would do these installment type contracts with sellers 
so that we could get enough period of ownership in your name. First of all, we could get you in the property, create that true equitable ownership interest in that property. And then you would able be able to go to a lender and tell the lender, I've been making payments for six months, 12 months on this property. And here's my evidence of payment. So can I now refinance this property in my name? And the answer in most cases was yes, if the person's credit would allow it. Um, and so we've basically taken that approach and we're applying that to shorter term deals with wholesaling, uh, wholesaling type deals where we can go in with our installment method. Um, you can actually create your own equitable ownership interest in the property. But th let me tell you the best thing about our method. When somebody does wholesaling, whose benefit are they doing that for? I the wholesaler. The wholesaler, for sure. Right. Do they care about the seller's needs? Some do, but most don't. Most don't. In our transaction, the seller's needs are actually paramount because when you understand, and that's one of the things we teach in our course, when you understand the motivations of what the seller needs, what their look, outlook is, why are they selling this house? What do they need? Do they need a place to stay for 90 days? Do they need help with closing costs? Uh, do they need cash up front? Do they need cash on a monthly basis? When you find out what their true needs are, then you can tailor the transaction to what they need and it still works financially for you. And when you can tailor a transaction for the seller's needs, it takes out all the heartburn that the real estate commission has. The second thing that's neat about it is that once you tailor it and we do the installment method with you, because you now have this equitable ownership in the property, you can now hire real estate agents legally to actually market your property on the multiple listing service. So now you're getting retail value, not wholesale values for the property. When most wholesalers find a deal, they have 30 days to get it done. They know they can't market and advertise it on multiple listing. So basically they put it under contract and they shop it to other investors. So if they find a deal, they offer hundred on, they might be able to flip it for 120. But in our program, if you find this deal, you might be able to pay 125 or 150 because now you're selling this property at wholesale and you might be able to sell it for 175 or 200 because you're selling it at retail, not wholesale rather. And so now the sellers take getting more money. You're beating all the wholesalers to the deal. The sellers needs, wants, and motivations are being taken into consideration and the transaction makes everybody happy and the real estate agents are involved. So why do they, so they're now happy with this transaction as well. So let's see how this solves the various problems. So let's talk about it okay. from the perspective of the wholesaler. A lot of the things that I see from wholesalers, especially ones that are newer to the business, they don't know how to price things, right? They just want to lock things up and see if it sells and then, you know, whatnot, which I think one of the, is one of the reasons that these commissioners have such a problem with it. But mm -hmm. for, for an earnest wholesaler that wants to do this, but that just doesn't know on this particular property because it's hard to price what it's worth, they're actually having to take ownership of this property. So what's their... Like, are they really at risk? Like, how do they shield their risk with this? Uh, well, we, we want them still to use the same tools that you use in wholesaling, which is to do your homework, find out what this market value is. Um, you might be able to go ahead and meet with a real estate agent and find out, have them run a CMA for you before you purchase it. But once you go under contract, before you go under contract, before you actually do the closing to take the actual equitable ownership, in our program, we, we talk about using that time frame to run all of your due diligence. And your due diligence in this situation is not just, let me look at this house and see how much I'm going to have to pay to rehabilitate it. But I'm also doing my due diligence to find out, is this still 
a, a feasible transaction? Is is there enough split in what I'm doing here? If I'm offering $120,000 and I'm doing my research in this due diligence type period, and I'm finding out this house is only going to sell for that, it's not going to sell but for a couple thousand dollars over. I haven't invested any money at this point until we actually do that transaction. So I can go ahead and terminate the transaction and I haven't spent the money. You also might find out too, which is what happens to a lot of wholesalers. And I think this is why a lot of the deals that we see fall through, fall through, is that the seller maybe hasn't been completely honest with you. They've told you they have a mortgage and they tell you that they want 200 for the house and they owe about 190. Okay, well, maybe that's all true, but they failed to tell you about the HOA lien that's 110, you know, another 10 grand. They haven't told you about the tax lien that's another 10 grand and they're upside down. And there's no way this transaction is going to close because they cannot come to you with money in pocket to pay at closing. So during our due diligence period, we're also using the time to do our title search to find what liens are on the property, actually get what those lien payoffs are so that we can do a seller net sheet, which we provide to you so that you can see, is there any equity in this property? Does this seller have to come to closing? So we're trying to take out most of these issues that most people have in that. Now, is any system 100% foolproof? Anybody who tells you investing in real estate is 100% foolproof is an idiot. You're a real estate investor. You know there's no guarantees in anything in real estate. I mean, tomorrow we could have another 2007, 2008 meltdown. We don't know. But what we have done is we've had wholesalers come in and give us every single issue that they've experienced, everything we see on the Real Estate Commission, and we've tried to handle every single one of them. And I believe we've gotten there. So as far as like understanding value, other than getting the, the opinion of a real estate agent, the in this model, the buyer still can't market that property until they've closed, right? Right. So they will not have they will not have it under contract or something like that. So they're just having to trust the opinion of a real estate agent. That and do their own research like you do in any wholesaling. Before you do any wholesaling, you're gonna go ahead and know what the price is. You're not gonna to come to me and say, Gary, we'll give you two hundred thousand dollars for my house, not knowing, you know, thinking it's worth two fifty and it only being worth one fifty. You already have done your research, whether it's through the uh, programs, looking at uh, tax records, looking at previous sales in the other neighborhood. You still got to use your brain in this. And I think that's what a lot of people think, oh, I can just get in there and write contracts or whatever amount and make this still work. You still, to be a good real estate investor, you still have to use your knowledge um, and, and use that, that knowledge to get what you need. But yes, I mean, they're, they're, you have the opportunity in this time frame to get those things done. Um, but no, I mean, there's no guarantee full foolproof system out there that I can say that if you buy a, a go under contract for a hundred, then the property is worth 150. You're going to have to do your research and, and make sure that the property is worth what you say it is. But if you find out in this process, it's not, there are other off ramps. And that's the thing that's very important about our system is that let's say somehow you, you bought the property, you've marketed it uh, legally through our program for 90 days, and you still have not been able to come up with a buyer we do have seven off-ramps. The first off-ramp obviously is selling it to a third party. That's what everybody wants to do. But under certain um, situations, you can actually uh, refinance. Gill Mortgage uh, has, there's FHA, VA rules and, and conventional rules, but you can actually go in and refinance the property into your own name. Um, and then you can use it as a rental. You can go back into our system and you can also uh, go back to the seller who you've already been working with and provided true value and true um, true value because you're working with their needs. You can now go back in and extend the program and bring in a renter. Uh, there's so many different ways that you can extend this um, or find other off-ramps. And we, in our program, we talk about the seven off-ramps. And I will tell you, um, 
the whole key to this, in my opinion, as in any investment, is that when you meet with the seller the first time, is being honest, open, and transparent. And I, I did this closing. We did one of these uh, this week, or last week, rather. We did it last week, and we brought the lady in. The lady couldn't even get to the closing, so we had to pay for an Uber. Our investor paid for an Uber for her to get here, 20 bucks. And when she got here, I just wanted to ask her, because all these wholesalers came up and made all these promises I knew they weren't they weren't truthful on. There's no way what they were saying was truthful. These guys came down and didn't tell me their sales pitch. They sat down with me and said, tell me what your pain is. What is your pain point? What are you looking to achieve? And let me see if I can get you what you need to get you there. And when you started the conversation in that manner, it was no longer about what my needs are as the salesperson, the person who wants you to wholesale it with me, which she quickly understood wholesaling meant all you were going to do is put it on the market and try to sell it to somebody else. She was she figured that out in about two, two minutes. But with our system, what she understood was that she had needs. She needed to stay in this property after she closed for 90 days. She needed a certain amount of money. She needed a little cash in her pocket up front. And we were able to show her or the, or the guys were able to show her how that worked. And when she came to closing, she took pictures with everybody. She hugged everybody. She told us how her, she and her boyfriend praised the Lord that these guys came into her life. And so it made such a difference for her. And when you start in that manner, it's all going to work out for you. So is one of the off ramps giving the property back to the seller? Like, I mean, a lot of, a lot of yes. these deals, people aren't buying them and paying cash, right? Right. One of the off ramps we have, off ramp number seven is, let's say you just blow the, blew the deal. Let's say you found the property for 150, it might've been worth 200 grand, but in that two month period, the whole economy just tanked and properties just plummeted. It happened to me one time I bought a, built a $1.4 million investment property down in Seabrook Island. And in a matter of about four weeks, it went from being worth one four to 800 grand. This is, I got my CEO the day George Bush signed the TARP bill. That's what great timing I had on that deal. So in that situation, had that been uh, using the installment method, our last off-ramp, if nothing else will work for you, you can't refinance it, you can't extend the terms, you can't find a renter, all of whatever it may take, is to go back to the seller. I'm sorry it didn't work out. With, a, with our installment method, the only way you can cancel it is either through a quick claim deed or through a judicial interaction. Well, I'm going back hat in hand to my seller saying, I tried everything. I'm so sorry I couldn't get the funds together. I don't want you to have to spend another penny of your money on this. I'm going to quick claim the property back to you. You'll sign the release of me so that I'm released from this deal. You get the property back. And by the way, all the money that I've given you is down payment uh, equity. You get to keep that. And so it's, it's, it sucks that sometimes deals fall through, but where wholesalers are getting the bad name and where the grievances are coming is that you go to a buyer or excuse me, a seller, and you say, I'm going to buy your property. You put it under contract. You can't get it done. You can't get it sold. You, you get extension after extension after extension. The deal falls through. Buyer doesn't get that earnest money because there's earnest money. So the, or excuse me, the seller doesn't get the earnest money. So the seller walks away from this transaction with nothing. They walk away with their property being tied up for 60, 90 days. So guess what that seller now does? They Go start ahead. calling real estate agents who say, that was a wholesaler. Well, what do I need to do? File a grievance. And then you're shut down. So, you know, is the, I think that's what we need to understand. The way we're doing it is not going to continue. The way wholesaling is working today will not continue because these buyers, or excuse me, these sellers are getting angry when the deals don't close. 
and the real estate agents, every time they get your text saying, hey, you got anybody looking for this property? I have two real estate agents. Every time they get one, she immediately goes to the website and files a grievance. Yeah. And so the the reason this satisfies the commission is because of the fact that you now own it. So you've got, yep. now, what about the fact that like wholesalers aren't buying these at market value, right? They're trying to make a profit. Right. Earlier in the episode, you mentioned that like, obviously, you know, if you're going to make $50,000 then you're going to have to educate the seller, what about the profit mm -hmm. aspect? Yeah. So we've actually found in the deals that my guys are doing already that they made more money in this because when you go to wholesale, you truly have to give a bottom number. And the reason you have to give the bottom number is that you don't have the right to retail the property. When you're a wholesaler, you are not selling it retail. You're selling it wholesale, as they call it. And so when I enter to buy your property for a hundred grand, I can't go out and send it to the whole market of South Carolina and say, everybody in South Carolina who's looking for a house, which is everybody, give me your best and final. What I'm doing is I'm going to my select investors who I know have the cash to buy it. And they're not in this business for charity. They're in this business to make money as well. So if this $100,000 house I have under contract is worth $150,000, they're only going to offer me $120,000 or $125,000 because they got to flip it and make money. Under our system, however, because I can send it to retail, I can sell it for $150,000 and not send it to an investor for $150,000. I can now raise what I am paying to the, the seller. I'm no longer selling it, buying it for hundred grand so I can flip it for $120,000. I can actually pay $120,000 and flip it for $150,000 because I know I'm going to sell it on the retail market. The retail market truly establishes a fair market price. Investors do not establish fair market price. Investors are in it to get it as cheap as possible and to sell it for the most profit. That's what investing is about. An end user who's looking at to, to buy it as their house where they're going to raise their family, have kids, fall in love, whatever they're going to do, they're paying retail. They're paying what that house is worth. So because I can sell it to somebody for what the house is worth and not what some investor thinks they can flip it for, I can offer more money and I make bigger and bigger returns. The, the guys that I'm working on this with, they said every time their buyer that they've gone to the, to their seller, they've been able to offer more money than all the wholesalers have. And they're ultimately going to flip it for more money because they know they're selling it at retail and they're not selling it to another investor. So let's talk about how to structure these deals. Cause most wholesalers that are looking for another way, a more legal way, they're not coming in with money. So right. how give us, you know, like, how do they negotiate with the seller? Like a seller oftentimes will have a mortgage on the property or maybe they're free and clear. Like, like what's, what's a way that they get the seller to agree to this? Like, Hey, just hand over your property. So because you're not getting the deed to the property until the deal is paid off. And that's been the big thing. You know, when you talk about the sub two market where, uh, which is a fantastic product, when you have sub two, you're going to people saying, convey the house to me. I'm not going to pay your mortgage off until I flip it to somewhere else. And, and by the way, in Georgia, there were some people who went to jail for doing, for never paying them off. Um, so that was a, a big thing that happened down in Georgia. But um, this is different because we're having these honest conversations, transparent conversations up front, explaining what we're doing in our program with the seller. Um, we're giving the seller a chance to tell us what their needs and wants are. We work the deal based on that. And then we're able to put down a little money. Now, there, I don't believe there's a single program out there that truly you can put no money in and do it the right way. You, you just can't. And so we're not talking putting down $10,000. We're talking $500,000 to get the equitable ownership in the property, which allows you to now market it and then sell it. Cool. So basically so, you're structuring an agreement where an installment sale where you're giving $500 
and the seller continues to own that property in their name until right. you're able to pay it off. But because you have equitable title, you're able to market that with a real estate agent on the MLS and sell it that way. Yes. And our program goes over all this. It's an incredible program. We have about 15 different modules to learn how to do this. Um, and then on top of that, we have all of the legal documents you need. We have two title insurance companies that will provide title insurance, not only from the B to C closing, but from the A to B closing. So you can buy title insurance to protect your interest. Um, we also talk about the whole process for how the, the closing attorney or closing company would do the transaction. Uh, we have Guild Mortgage, who has also signed on to our program. We have a, a particular lender here, uh, Trey Baker, that you'll go through him to get the B to C transaction closed. So we provide you all, all of that information, the, the closing company, everything that you need. Uh, we also have a community available that you'll be able to go in the community, talk about the deals you're working on. If you have a deal that you want help with because you don't, you don't want to do it yourself, uh, questions of that nature, we'll have the community. And we also have coaching. So if you want coaching to help understand what is the best way to talk to these sellers, what is the best way to convince them that this is the way to go, we have all that coaching also available. But our program, our 15 modules, explains it in detail how to get the property under contract, what to do from uh, time it's on contract until you are ready to close it out, how to get it closed out, and what your seven off-ramps are and how to work each one of those off-ramps. Awesome. Well, Gary, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your life, your business, and the program. Uh, super cool. First time we've ever interviewed someone that's been on the commission and an attorney and a broker and an instructor, et cetera, et cetera. So Really good to be able to look at it from a different perspective. Thanks for sharing. So guys, if you're out there and you're maybe wholesaling or thinking about wholesaling, write down something you learned from today. Maybe you'll keep yourself from getting in some trouble. Maybe look up the laws in your state, reach out to Gary, do something to protect yourself and to put yourself in a better situation. Write down something you learned, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 